This is the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris. And on today's chapter, we are going to be following up on what we talked about yesterday in chapter one, where Josh and I sat down and we talked about the grand narrative of Scripture. What is it really all about? And one of the insights that Josh observed about the big story in Scripture is that really we're the bad guys. We're the antagonist, and really that it's Jesus that's the protagonist. So in this chapter, I got to interview Josh in a sense, and and so I wanted to hear about his story, and particularly I wanted to find out how he came to this realization that we are the bad guys, because that's a pretty insightful thought. And so I knew that there was a story behind it, and, and Josh's story, his life growing up in the church, really demonstrated some profound things about how easy it is to become focused on the external measures of what we're doing, of perfectionism. And so as you listen to Josh's story, I think you'll find a little bit of your own story in his. And as you listen to it, I hope you'll come to see, as I have, that really when we're approaching the scriptures and the story of life, we really are the problem. We get in our own way. And Jesus is the hero. And thank God for that. So Josh, what led you to the realization that in the grand story, the grand narrative, that we are actually the antagonists? I grew up in the church. Church was always just something that my family always did. Somehow, through all of those experiences, I started to have the understanding that to be a good Christian meant to do the things that a good Christian does. Regardless of what was going on on the inside of your life, it's about what you do on the outside, how you live, how you behave, how you practice the spiritual disciplines, all that stuff that really makes you a good Christian. And so growing up in church always really just kind of reinforced that idea that if I put on a good face to everyone around me, then I was going to be a good Christian. They would think I was a good Christian. And so for me, perfectionism was always really the the biggest struggle that I had, which another way to, to look at that is to call it legalism. If I follow all the rules, if I follow the law, then God will accept me. And so I continued on with that thinking all the way through high school and on into Bible college and early ministry. And the problem with that thinking is that it's not right. (laughs) It doesn't take into account that we are called to rely on God's grace and His mercy and His forgiveness as the way that we become children of God. Salvation is through faith, not by works. Was that something that you... um struggled with in your thinking at the time, but just couldn't see how they they quite fit together, and so you just sort of ignored it? Or had that not even yet entered into your thought process? Not at that point, because a struggle implies that I knew some other ideology or I knew some other way of thinking about it. And at that point, this was the only way that I was thinking about the Christian life. It was about performance. So there was no struggle. But the struggle was just to remain perfect, yep. or to try to that's be perfect. That's all there perfect. was. That's all you really needed at that point, because 
If it, if it looks good on the outside, then nobody's going to say anything to you. And in a lot of churches that, that I've been to today, if, if you look good on the outside, nobody's going to ask you any questions. It's easy to go to church, be a part of a community, and not have anybody ask you questions because it's easy to look good on the outside. For me, that perfectionism started to kind of break down about the time, we'll see, would have been about 25, and God had moved me and Alicia to out in the middle of nowhere in Ogden, Iowa. And out in the middle of nowhere, apart from all of our family and most of our friends, we were working with some friends at the time, um, but we were completely separated from all of our family and all that was familiar to us. And it was in that place where God kind of started to undo my tendencies to try to perform and be perfect. When he had separated me from everything that was familiar, I didn't have the ability to put up those walls of perfection anymore. It was as though he kind of was tearing down all the walls around me and my world of perfection that I had built for myself, thinking that this is what the Christian life is, was starting to fall apart. That's, for me, when that struggle really began. It wasn't early in life or even uh, into high school or shortly after high school. It was. It took God bringing me out of where I was familiar with things into a place where I was completely isolated. And it was there that God really started to undo the perfectionistic tendencies that I had. So at that point, out in the middle of nowhere in Iowa, I'm kind of faced with this realization that I may not be able to do this Christian life thing because I'm not perfect. I can't fake it. I can't force myself to be perfect. So what am I left with? And at that point, it was really about God teaching me to accept His grace and His work in my life as something that I couldn't earn or do on my own. For me, that was the point where I really started to, to come up against this story of Scripture where Jesus is the hero. Because I wanted to think, yeah, I can do this on my own. I can figure it out, and I can make myself perfect enough so that God will accept me. And God comes in and says, you're not perfect. Let me show you some grace. My first reaction to that is, I don't need it. Let me try to be perfect. And then you kind of get through that initial denial phase. You start to hit a little bit of a depression. I did anyway. I hit a depression. It got really, really bad to the point where I was having physical symptoms. I ended up in the hospital with chest pains. And... My body was just doing some crazy weird stuff. And it was all because I was trying to still hold on to this idea that I could figure it out. And then God really started to undo those walls one more time and bring me to a place where I had to realize that even in trying to accept his grace and live a better Christian life, I was still trying to do it on my own. And it was at that point where I went back and read uh, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, where he has that one section where he talks about fallen human beings as not people living behind enemy lines necessarily, but fallen human beings as the rebels themselves. We're the ones who are enemies of God and who are called to lay down our rebel arms and surrender in repentance. 
and that's when I came to the realization that yeah, in this in this story, I am the I am the antagonist. God's for me. He wants to save me. He wants to bring me into right relationship with him. But my desire is to be perfect and kind of figure this out on my own. If I had succeeded in that, it would have brought me glory because then it would have been something that I had accomplished. I had been perfect enough. I had done all the right things and I would have been the hero. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. None of us can. That's kind of the point that Paul's getting at in Romans is that we can't live up to those standards on our own. And so the only option that we have at that point is to say, we're the antagonists in the story. Yeah, so I imagine, you know, after spending your entire life living with this perfectionistic mindset, coming to this incredible revelation of I'm the antagonist, I imagine trying to switch gears and live according to this new revelation would be quite difficult. How did that impact the way that you began to live after it? In other words, like how do you begin to walk that realization out? I imagine it probably can't happen overnight, but what did that Very process carefully. look like for you? <laughs> Very carefully. You're right. It doesn't happen overnight. We want it to happen overnight. Like we think God steps in, you have a, an amazing experience with him, and everything changes from that point forward. And it does in a way. Uh, at the same time, though, my experience over the next five years after that was kind of like peeling back the layers on an onion. You'd peel off one layer and it just left more onion underneath. My experience after that was really one of continually coming back to Christ in an attitude of repentance, saying, once again, I've tried to be perfect on my own, even though I understand that you offer me grace and that I don't have to be perfect on my own anymore. The tendencies are still there. Help me get rid of those. You go back to C.S. Lewis again in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, he illustrates this really well. One of the main characters in the uh, in that story, Eustace, stumbles on a dragon's treasure and ends up taking some and, and long story short, turns him into a dragon as well. And then there's this really, really amazing scene where Eustace has a dream and he goes down to a pool of water and it's there that he tries to start shedding his dragon skin. He realizes that he can take off the top layer of skin no problem and the scales come off and kind of like a snake shedding its skin it it comes out but then he realizes I'm still a dragon underneath. And so he takes off another layer. He's still a dragon and another layer and another layer and he keeps on doing that but no matter how deep he digs he still finds just more dragon. And then Aslan steps in, and he says, this is something that really only I can do for you. And it's in that moment where Eustace surrenders and allows Aslan to dig in. I think he describes it as so deep it felt like it was going to kill him. And cuts all the way through all of the dragon's skin and rips the entire hide off of him and tosses him into the to the pool as a normal boy again. And it's really just an amazing way to look at the the progressive way that we deal with the Christian life. We tend to come to Jesus and he shows us that we're dragons and we try to take off these layers one at a time. And it's really only something that that he does. And I know in the story it happens instantaneously in one shot from Aslan, but in reality, throughout the Christian life and in 
and all the stories that I've heard from other saints who've gone before me, the process of going through that sanctifying work that God does in our lives is something that takes a lifetime. And I honestly do not believe that we will ever be completely sanctified until after the resurrection. When, like Paul says, we're clothed upon and the mortal puts on immortality. At that point, I think we will be perfect. But until then, it's a constant reminder that we need to come back to Christ and and try to rest in his work in our lives and his gradual changing of us, like Paul says, from glory to glory. Mm -hmm. And so I went on from Iowa and thought I'd had certain problems licked and come to find out they just kept coming up in new and different ways. And it starts to get really frustrating because you start thinking, oh God, I thought we already dealt with this problem like a year ago. And he brings it up in a new way and shows you that really you hadn't fully conquered it. You just kind of took the first layer of skin off. You're right. It's, it's not an overnight thing. It happens gradually and years and even the rest of our lives and adjusting to that is kind of a a humbling thing to to figure out it takes a while to figure it out yeah do you think um you mentioned perfection you know once we have uh taken on the clothes of immortality when christ returns and then we'll be perfect how do you see the difference or do you see a difference between the way you had envisioned perfect before and what you see as perfection in future glory. Well, what I had seen in being perfect before really meant me being the hero of the story, me being the one to climb that mountain and conquer that challenge. It was a perfect in the sense of actions. Yes. Blameless according to the law, if I'm to paraphrase. Yes. A Pharisee of the Pharisees, (laughs) even though I'm a Gentile. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it it was about doing everything exactly like God told me to do it. And really what I think is going to it's going to look like on the other side of glory is a a complete and total change in our beings. There's a difference between doing something loving and being loving. Like I could give my wife flowers because I love her and I want her to do something for me. I may have ulterior motives, but the act itself is loving. But the heart behind it is not so much loving. And I can also love my wife so much that out of my nature, I want to do things like give her flowers. There's a big difference between those two actions, even though they're the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. One is I'm being perfect, I'm performing the right action, but my inward heart isn't changed. And that's kind of what I thought perfection would be like beforehand. I hadn't really examined the heart issue of it. But I think perfection after the resurrection is really what it means to be perfect on the inside where out of our natures, we're so much like Jesus, we're so much like God, that out of our natures, we just do those things. Mm -hmm. 
And it's not like we have to sit and think about making the right decision all the time. We're so much like Jesus that we just make the decisions that Jesus would make. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that part happens until, like I said, after the, the resurrection when we see him face to face. Yeah. No, I think it's a great point. And because what you're talking about here is really the, it goes back to that trying to be God of our own lives. It really comes down to who gets to define what your worth is and who you are. The one way, the earlier way that you're talking about, you just, you define what perfection is. I get to be perfect because I do the things. In the second way you're talking about, it's really God has defined us as perfect. And once he has defined us as perfect, we get to simply walk in that. No pressure anymore. No pressure. I like it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for free over at dailygrowthdiscipleship.com, or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Then come back tomorrow and check out Chris's story where he talks about his struggle to find identity in Christ.